from the fabulous WSUM Madison Studios, it's Do It Live, hosted by the Do It Geeks. Don't open that email! Would you believe that they made an opera about fishing? Well, they did. So today we're talking about fishing and security. Joining us in the studio from Do It Security, Monica Bush and Jeff Savoy. Along with our regular geeks, Teresa Saldana and Andy Muschlewski. And now, broadcasting live and local on 91.7 FM and streaming worldwide on WSUM.org, please help me welcome my co-host, Ty Christian. It's hot outside. It's a Thursday. And it's time to talk some tech here on Do Live. Do you know what happens, Ty, when it gets really hot at Do It? What happens when it gets really hot? All the hot servers at get really hot, and then all the humans have to sweat. <laughs> the humans oh. must sweat. I know. <laughs> Except those lucky people down on the platform. They, yeah. They've got their own true. cooling system. Oh, those people. Oh. Well, this is Do It Live, the most connected radio show on the planet. Check us out online, doit.wisc.edu forward slash radio. You can give us a call, 608 AOK. WSUM, that's 608-265-9786. You can email us, of course, because it's a, you know, it's a, we're tech people. We've got, we got the emails. Uh, that is radio at doit.wisc.edu, radio at D-O-I-T dot W-I-S-C dot E-D-U, or as some people call it, a Jew. A Jew. A Jew. Yeah. Whiskmail, whiskadoo. Or a do. Whiskadoo. Whiskadoo. Yep. So email us, radio at doit.wisc.edu, or give us a call during the program. We got a wonderful... Hot, humid, exciting program today because it is very, very hot outside. We even have a fan running here in yeah, the studio. Hopefully, you, can, you can hear it. I don't know if you can hear the little background hum. It's a, you know that 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 would be our studio fan mm-hmm. keeping us cool. Um, luckily, the the area in which we're at here has a lot of nice windows. We got a lot of like light, and it, maybe it makes it feel cooler. Maybe not. I don't, I don't know. know how the light would make us feel cooler. <laughs> Luckily, it's not point, it's, it's not coming directly through the windows. Just the fact that it's kind of airy, you know, it's, it's like it's almost like we're floating above the uh, above the pavement in this wonderful little box we have here at WSUM. If you haven't come, if you haven't seen the studio at WSUM, you should come see it. Uh, you can actually come visit us live in person. You know, we will let you into the studio. You can have a mic and uh, and ask a question on the show, or just kind of jump in. You know. Yes. We'll give you a cookie. Or, I don't or, know. Or push some buttons. Push some buttons. Don't push the. <laughs> don't push the. Uh, don't push the, the. The push us off air button though. That would be terrible. That would be terrible. Yeah. Who'd want to do that? Uh, terrible people. So hey, we've got a wonderful show today um, about uh, security and about uh, as was alluded to in the intro about a fishing opera. We're not kidding. We are not kidding. <laughs> Classically trained. Thanks, folks. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> Never had one lesson. Never had one lesson. <laughs> uh, in with us in the studio today, uh, Jeff Savoy and, and Monica Bush. How's it going, guys? Great. Great. Thank you. All right. They're excited to be here. We are excited to be here. Let's start off the show the way that the show starts off in the show that it is of the <laughs> the news. <laughs> Two-time Tony Award winner, Teresa Saldana. Tap dances her way into the news. I think you're confusing me with Sandy. Sandy knows how to tap dance. I, I don't. Aren't you? Aren't you Sandy's protege? <laughs> <laughs> the Apprentice. Uh, no, not no. Okay. Maybe maybe Sandy can teach me other things related to technology. But <laughs> okay. I don't. I don't think tap dancing is going to be one of them. So what do we got in the news today, Teresa? What we got in the news is that the the iPad is already starting to come out. On the other side of the world, oh, we've actually had some retailers that are not Apple stores that are doing mid- midnight openings um, in Australia. Which oh, I crikey. Was, yeah, so they've actually had, um, I is think I tom- saw it's that. It's tomorrow there already. That, uh, yeah, because it's already tomorrow. Dude, that's blowing. It's the, end the, future. Of the future. Whoa, where robots rule and things are futuristic in Australia. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess some folks from iFixit have gone to, to um, a, one of the stores that opened at midnight, and they went to go get an iPad so they could start tearing it apart and show it to the rest of us. Mm-hmm. But at the store, one thing I wanted to note is that they made 
to celebrate the iPad coming out, they made a meter square iPad cake. Delicious. <laughs> a cake. It, it's sort of, I, I've seen a picture of it, and it sort of looks like, it doesn't look like a cake. I mean, it, it's, it looks kind of like maybe a blanket or something. It's really weird, just sort of the texture. Is the, the frosting the a full retina display on there? No, there's no full Double. retina display. <laughs> but it, it's got, um, so it's, a, it's the iPad and it's got a whole bunch of apps on the screen. And then it's got what looks like cupcakes. Um, sitting next to the iPad that have more little apps on them. Uh, it's the cutest yeah, thing you've yeah, ever seen. But you have to go to the yeah. iTunes store. And then it's surrounded <laughs> by pillows that have app pictures on them. So I don't know who makes that or if they were custom made. So you can um, buy you can buy pillows with app pictures? You can lay on the pillows next to the cake. What? That, that sounds something. The, no, I mean in this picture, the pillows are, are literally surrounding the cake. Okay. So, so you can lounge on app pillows while eating an app cupcake. Yes. So it's the <laughs> ultimate iPad experience. That's <laughs> and you can use your iPad while you're doing all it's this. It's exactly what Steve Jobs envisioned. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> they were just jealous of Raspberry Pi. Oh. oh. So if you were in Australia and you went to the store, you could have gotten a piece of iPad cake. If you are in Australia right now, give us a call. Um, 608-265-9786. What's our country code? What's our, I don't know. One maybe? No, give us a call. I think we're 001. I'm uh, pretty sure we are. Okay. We're number we're one. We're number one. We're, we're number, number one. USA. Yeah, exactly. Totally awesome. <laughs> maybe we should do that as a prize on... That's another idea for a prize we could do for the show is make Australian an iPad, iPad cake or app cupcakes. Oh, okay. I think know. that would be cool. And then we could post it on Pinterest. <laughs> yeah, I was Yay! gonna say that, that, that cake Monica, is are you on Pinterest? totally Pinterest. I'm not on Pinterest, but I've seen it, and it looks like we have quite a bit of UW activity out there. I, that's what I've heard. Teresa's, we do. Teresa's wanting me to post my favorite nail polish color on Pinterest all the time, and I just you shouldn't hide that, man. I <sighs> you got to share it with the world. I mean, I do. <laughs> is it fuchsia? Is fuchsia or uh, yeah, aubergine? It's, it's, it's passion fruit. Pa- passion fruit fuchsia. It's not heavy metal magenta or something no, like that. No, sorry. Oh, come on. <laughs> Come on. Uh, so anyway, I did want to mention, too, um, with the iPad coming out, Apple stock has skyrocketed. They've gone from $500 to just um, just touching 600 It dipped back down. But within about a month. Holy. That is a lot of money. $100 a pop You know what that share. is? Hmm. It's shocking. Shocking. I can't. Oh, God. So this puts them well ahead of ExxonMobil <laughs> now in terms of um, worth. Yeah. In terms of market value. Well, I, I would assume that most savvy investors probably bought Apple stock before the iPad announcement. Oh, and, sure. And are now going to sell it after the Instant iPad announcement. Instant profit. Oh, yeah. Instant profit. Well, wouldn't that, wouldn't that just make sense, though? Like, anybody who's tech savvy would probably say to themselves, oh, Microsoft's launching Windows 8. Let's mm-hmm. put money in it before the launch and then take money in it. Out. I mean, isn't that mm-hmm. how, how stock market works? Buy, sell. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not a stock, but, stock market guy. But, you know, I mean, with Apple, it may seem like a sure thing, but you can't bank on that with every company. Some companies launch a new product, and if it's not up to snuff, their stock could plummet. Sure, sure. Um, and and it has it's based on their quarter earnings as well. So if you're, Apple's earnings were up, they were up uh, beyond expectation. So uh, that's also why they've made so much money. It's not just because of the iPad. Jeff, do you own any Apple stock? No, I do not. Oh, oh wait, Sandy does. Does Sandy does? Oh my gosh, Ooh, Sandy's Sandy? buying dinner. Yeah, Sandy, can Yay! you? Yeah, she's buying iPad three. Can, can you take Ooh. me on a on a on a on your yacht later? <laughs> can you make us an iPad cake, Sandy? Are you retiring shortly? <laughs> <laughs> it would be nice. You well, can okay. make a yacht out of iPads. Oh, Woo. that would not be seaworthy. Also, uh, okay, so something else nerdy too, related to the Mac, but uh, not entirely tied to it. Diablo 3, release date set for May 15th. Woo! So you guys are excited about that? You got to tell me because I don't, I don't really do this stuff. Well, it's been a long time. When did Diablo 2 get released? A it's, long, it's, long yeah, that was time. A, I mean, I we're, we're almost in Duke Nukem Forever territory. Yeah, that, you know. that might have been before the turn of the Apparently century. the game's right. been in development since 2001. Oh, yeah. oh there so you go. See, was has close. it really it was, been that long? Yeah, it, has, yeah. it really has. Well, wow. And, uh, you know, I, I played Diablo a lot. I never really played Diab- Diablo 2 at, at all. It was... Um, 
I, my I recollection, just, I, I think I just kind of skipped it. It was basically the same yeah. game. Yeah. Just Do you guys remember features. when the first one came out? Oh yeah, that was, I was in no, the no, like year ninety eight, ninety nine. Oh, it was boy. probably ninety. It was probably ninety seven, ninety ninety seven, ninety eight. Yeah. I don't know. Because Jeff, you seem like you. You're, you're looking off and like you're like oh yes you've I played need, Diablo I need, Come to on. I need to talk about my about my level three barbarian. <laughs> no, I haven't played Diablo. I play Warcraft though. Oh okay. Oh, okay. So I don't know if that's similar or not. I yeah. yeah 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 okay. for sure. So um so a lot of people out there waiting a long time to get uh, Diablo three. Um so I'm pretty sure uh, on on that date we're gonna have some. Some people act, you know, get coming down with some sickness at the help desk. Uh, oh, be quite not possibly. Not me. All not over me. campus. I'm classes tents at Best Buy. Yeah. Are gonna empty out a little bit. Yeah. The ne- you know, the day after the the release. I've definitely heard of that. Jeff will <laughs> see a whole bunch of internet traffic. But man, the, the <laughs> graphics update. You've yeah. got to imagine you you it, it'll look like you went from playing characters that were made out of three blocks to you know lifelike. Indeed. Graphics now. Oh <laughs> yeah. my goodness. So that's that must be exciting for all the, the gaming fans out there. So May fifteenth, which should be after finals for everybody. Though Yay. talk about great timing, how considerate of the wonderful. developers. Perfect. Hey, guess what? what? I have a little news story. Ooh. AOL kills off AOL Instant Messenger. Aim. Dun 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 dun. dun, dun. But you said it's it's not dead yet though. It's not it's, dead. It's, it's, not dead. it's on its way. So, Tell us what's going on. So here's on. the deal. Uh, yesterday, AOL slashed forty employees from its West Coast office. And that was the uh, the chat client's entire development staff. Um, they had forty people on that. Yeah. So so basically, <laughs> AOL will no longer be develop doing any any development for AOL Instant Messenger for AIM. So if you guys are using AIM, time to switch over to GChat. That's all I'm saying. You know? Do you suggest an easy way to do that? Well, you know, uh, GChat actually, which is GChat is Google Chat, by the way. GChat lets you um, hook up your AOL Instant Messenger account to the GChat so that people will show up in GChat, whether they're in AIM or whether they're in Google Chat or, or anything. So you can actually just go into Google, go into your account, and set, and set that up. So that just integrates all your chat. All your chat people together. Accounts Here's the deal, one. though. Once AOL actually, I, I mean, this is probably way in the future, but once AIM actually finally kicks the bucket for real, for good, forever, anyone who has not actually moved over to Google Chat, they're going to be gone. So this is kind of like a temporary stopgap type of fix. You can see your AIM people in Google Chat right now, mm-hmm. but you can't save them. Because if they stop using AIM and you stop using AIM, then there's no good way to get a hold of them. So basically, encourage all your friends to start using GChat or something a little more robust, like maybe MSN Messenger or... So go easy when you break the news to Grandma. Yeah. When she thought she was all cool and hip and got on AIM all those years ago. <laughs> oh, dude, my grandma is on AIM. She's got three screen names. Three? Yeah, because wow. she forgot the first two's password. <laughs> 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 oh, that's yeah. nice. Yeah. No, she seriously Sweet. does. And I just moved her over to GChat, and, and she still uses AIM, you know, time mm-hmm. and again. But here's the weird thing. She also... Uh, has been using Facebook chat in place hmm. of email accidentally because, <laughs> because <laughs> I got her to use Gchat for a while and then she was on Facebook all the time and Facebook started up their new chat mm-hmm, thing. Mm-hmm. Right? And so, so she sees my name in the, the right hand corner of the screen with a little green button on it. Mm-hmm. She just clicks that and starts to type me a message whenever mm-hmm. she wants to chat me. And you know, so I, I don't know if that's, if I've done more harm than good by moving her over to the chat, but my grandma is the most connected grandma out there, by the way. We did have her on the program. At least she's not searching things in the status update. Oh, yeah. That's <laughs> true. That's true. Yeah, don't do. Don't try to do your Google searches in your status update box on Facebook. <laughs> Guaranteed you don't someone will make fun of you. And, and it's going to be followed up by, oh, God, how do, I, how do I delete this? <laughs> <laughs> or, depending on what you type, people might think you're really cool. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Wow, look at that. Depends look on at what that status update. For. It's so abstract. <laughs> I don't get what it means. How to post nail polish to Pinterest. Oh, no. That was Facebook. Where to buy chicken casserole supplies. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, boy. Oh boy. Uh, so, Andy, you had some, some bit of news, didn't mm-hmm. you? Yeah, yeah, Andy, so, what's, on, what's going um, on? So I, I think I do. One, one of the interesting things that I saw recently is that, um, so we've talked about DNS um, service here on the show before. And um, so Google, cr- Google is doing an interesting thing, and they're changing 
um, the way their browser, Google Chrome, if you're using Google Chrome, will access DNS. It will no longer go to a public DNS server. It will go just to Google's DNS server and reroute traffic. And so the user will mm -hmm. have no way of resetting that. So in layman's terms, like for people out there who don't know what DNS is, can you, can you, is there any, can you break that down? So, yeah, DNS changes the the actual web addresses for websites are are numeric sequence so yes. when you type in facebook.com and it's actually going to like 125.74.8.42 yeah so basically you something. have you have names like facebook.com because well i assume this is why this was done it's because it's a lot easier for people to remember something like facebook in place of typing in right. facebook's ip address yeah. um but if you do happen to know it it's useful when yeah. your dns Remem server isn't working right <laughs> remembering the ip addresses would be like remembering phone six, numbers. 16 digits of pi. It would be like remembering <laughs> everybody's phone number. Right. Yeah, you but know. even even more so because it's, I mean, phone numbers are like seven digits and yeah. these are like much more. It's 12, 12. So, yeah, so basically what DNS does is you type in www.facebook.com and it resolves that to the actual internet address and takes you there. So the, the what what's going to happen here is that Google will be able to see traffic to even their competitors' sites. Mm. Mm. So, so Google just released that new privacy um, thing. Thing, yeah. <laughs> Agreement. Ag Agreement. Yeah, oh, that's it. And so this this will kind of supersede that because they're just talking about the internet traffic, not necessarily looking at what an individual person is doing. So for instance, they could be able to see where people are going to Facebook and then leaving Facebook to go to. Mm -hmm. Interesting. And then maybe update uh, Google Plus to... Uh, right, because that's what's that. really valuable is if you put ads online, you never... I mean, you can, you can go by whether people are clicking on the link, but if they decide to go about it another way, do a Google search or type in the URL directly, you don't really know if the banner worked. But yeah. if you've got Google using their DNS servers tracking everything you do, Google can can look at it and go, okay, I don't, well, I don't know if it's to this level of granularity, but look at it and say, okay, you saw this banner, you opened up another tab, and you went to their website. So right. they could sell that back t to advertisers. Right, and that's um, really how As Google opposed to going through your ISP to try to get that information yeah. or your ISP, selling it directly to advertisers. Right. And that's really how Google makes their money is selling mm -hmm. information and advertising. So. Because everything else on Google is, is free, basically. I mean, you've got Google Voice, Google Docs, Google Mail, Google Chat. Go I mean, you know, it's right. it, Google Video so Chat. Keep, so keep that in mind. Yeah, is I mean, I love Google Chrome. It's a great browser, but right. you may want to think about... Right. Something. Yeah, so something to definitely keep in mind is when you are online and you are using free services i promise even if it starts out totally free it doesn't end up that way google's getting something out of you, you by not, you using their services you are not the customer you're the product yes so right and just that's the internet model and, and along those lines some uh, a high level google employee um left just today i believe or yesterday mm -hmm. um James Whitaker, who is a former um, Microsoft engineer, and he basically really blasted uh, Google and how the company has changed. And the uh, article that I'm seeing here is in CNN Money Today. Um, they he basically says, this is a direct quote, my last three months working for Google was a whirlwind of desperation. Um, and he further goes on to say that um, basically that the company had changed into uh, uh, an advertising company and single-minded just for that purpose. So rather than being a technology company. So um, hmm. th it's definitely, you know, money drives the industry and they're definitely yep. making money off of data mining and um, and tracking your, where you're going on the internet and selling ads. So, mm -hmm. um, and he's just, he just came out and really blasted them about this today, so... Yeah, it's taking, I mean, I was looking at this DNS for Google and Chrome, and it may be taking control away from the local administrators who are trying to protect you. For right. example, if I, if I know there's a hostile domain right now, let's say it's bad.com. Right, and you can I can make it that. resolved. I can resolve it to 127.001, so I can resolve it back to a local machine. So if you, if you browse there, you'll never get there. Right. But if Chrome comes along in my environment, and they go to bad.com, 
they're not using my DNS servers anymore. They're using Google's DNS servers. Right. I can't change their DNS servers. Right. And that that was something also about this is the 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 end user won't be able to change what DNS server they're using either if you're mm-hmm. using Google Chrome. So kind of scary. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, when you're on campus, you're using you're using our DNS servers. Correct. Um, so you have that protection of the university's IT community protecting you from um, infecting, you know, uh, your work machine or your personal machine that you brought to campus. Um, but if Google's taking things into their own hands, it's up to Google to decide what you're going to be able to get to um, or what you're exposed to. So kids, don't go to bad.com is basically what we're saying. <laughs> Out there, keep away from that website. All right, well, we're going to take a little quick uh, commercial break here, and we'll be right back with more Do It Live. We're going to talk about the fishing opera. We're going to talk about security. we got so many things to talk about, it's going to make your head spin. So uh, keep it tuned here at WSUM 91.7 FM Madison. We'll be right back with more Do It Live.
And now, the Do It Live three disclaimers with our guest geek of the week, Michael Caine. Hello, I'm Michael Caine. Number one, the opinions expressed on this program do not reflect the views of WSN, the University of Wisconsin-Madison, or its Board of Regents. Number two, products and services provided by the Division of Information Technology, aka Do It, and other university departments, as well as drawings and giveaways, may only be available to students, faculty, staff, or those currently affiliated with UW-Madison. Number three, and my favourite one, participants in this broadcast may offer opinions or recommendations, however they do not endorse, nor has any consideration been provided on behalf of the products and services discussed. Not many people know that. Celebrity voice impersonator. This is not actually Michael Caine. Michael Caine lives very far away and would never do this for us, although we think he's really cool. Back with more Do It Live. Check us out online, doit.wist.edu forward slash radio. Radio at doit.wist.edu is our email address and our phone number 608 265 9786. Check out our podcast online. Go to iTunes and type in Do It and go to the podcast section. And hey, you'll find us. Or, uh, you know, you type Do It Live too. Anything will work. Uh, so today, uh, so, so I should say, sub- subscribe to the podcast. Do it. It'll make me happy. It'll make Teresa happy. Teresa's sitting in the corner right now, frowning, because you are not subscribed to our podcast. Please make her Don't happy. Don't you want to make Teresa happy? <laughs> subscribe, subscribe to our podcast. Pretty please. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently we have like an 80s cartoon something you know, oh yeah, in the corner also. That was, yeah, that, that was, was probably it. A All right. or something. <laughs> 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 All right. Well, today uh, we are talking... About yeah, about the the the, the gentleman's uh, the gentleman's sport of opera, of course, a wonderful opera that was uh, made about fishing, which is un uncommon in these parts. So, because yeah, somebody's got to help me out of this British <laughs> accent, <laughs> I'm stuck. <laughs> so, we, of course, we're talking about fishing. Fishing, not not for fish. Right, not like gone fishing. No. Not e- not fishing with an F, but fishing with a PH. Oh, that's like back in the nineties. Like when you say was something, like someone fat. was fat. They fat were fat with a PH. PH. <laughs> so so we've got our wonderful guest today, Jeff Savoy, uh, and uh, and 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 Monica here is is in. I, I've, I just spaced on your last name. I'm sorry. It's so easy. It's such an it's easy okay. last name. Monica Bush. Bush. Ah, that's terrible. Yeah. Uh, I have a very terrible na- uh, name memory so monica bush jeff savoy in with us today to talk about uh fishing and about this uh this opera so so monica tell us about the opera so jerry huey created an opera called wired for love it was a comic opera love story it was based on a true story of a nigerian who is sending Nigeria 419 requests or scams uh-huh. and poses his avatar is a Zambabwean farmer requesting money and exchange for the money. He's going to unlock some inheritance oh, okay. of sorts and would share in the wealth of this, but he just needed the seed money. Yeah. I think I got an email like that. And th- mine was from a <laughs> prince though. And it was totally real. <laughs> Like, I'm talking to him right now. He's a nice guy. <laughs> yeah. And the a person that responding to his his fish attempt, his scam, is a British guy who understands that it's a, he gets a sense that it's a scam. And so mm-hmm. he creates an avatar. So he's trying to scam the scammer, right? Yeah. He's Ooh. trying to scam the scammer Those and creates favorite. an avatar of a, of a Las Vegas 
night girl who <laughs> has oh. a snake show. Ooh. This is getting exciting. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so Jerry had some seminars before the shows on, you know, how to protect your identity and how to be careful about fishing. And I did a seminar on how to protect your identity because the number one complaint category according to the federal trade commission is identity theft Mm -hmm. and in wisconsin it's credit card identity theft really yeah the Mm. the the you know the theft categories are government benefits fraud so people stealing you know social security credit card fraud phone and utilities fraud employment fraud and Mm -hmm. bank and loan fraud but in in wisconsin government it's credit card fraud and it's basically somebody who's trying to impersonate you sure and so steal some money and steal something try get a hold of open up a credit card in your name or take your credit card number and use it for things that they want mm. and the largest category of people that it impacts is age range of uh 30 to 49 oh okay because so, hmm. uh, those are people with credit cards people I mean, more apt to buy buy yeah. stuff online yeah. 29 and under is the next big category of mm-hmm. people mm-hmm. and the fastest growing category is people under 18 Really? Yeah. Under 18. Interesting. Yeah. For identity theft, it's it's people are starting to steal children's social security numbers for oh. medical benefits. I, I was just going to wow. ask like do those do those people have credit cards? I didn't think No, you it's could. just for identity theft in general. Oh, okay. Okay. So, interesting. Interesting. Yeah, so so, so so can you can you, can you give us a little bit more of the plot of the of the opera? Have you seen it? Have you Yeah, I saw it. It was it was wonderful. Jerry had a whole cast of people who really can perform opera mm-hmm. and you know, the farmer and the avatar the <laughs> avatar of the farmer and then the avatar of the, the Vegas showgirl hmm. It, through the opera, throughout their correspondence, fall in love, but are continuously battling to try to get money from each other. <laughs> so there's a lot of contention. Oh, that's them. great. That actually sounds fairly entertaining. Yeah. Like, it d- just as a story in outside of the, the fishing. Uh-huh. So the the primary opera pieces, it was all in English, of course, were the emails and... <laughs> That's a, that's odd. So they sang the emails to so each other. Some of them, yeah. So the oh, cast that they have up singing are these actual representations of the avatars. Yeah, the avatar. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> that is really cool. That's so. Where is it? Is it still going on? And no, where can it was a one-time thing in January. So oh, okay. Can you tell us what happened at the end then? Yeah, because people are at not going to go see it, it. So it gets a little sci-fi, and at the end, Ooh. the avatars somehow become present and meet and run off in the sunset together. Oh, oh some virtual so environment. <laughs> that's great. Does, and no yeah. one got any money out of anybody? No. Okay. Maybe they maybe they fell in love and pooled their money. Together. Well, at least the avatars found happiness. They the became, avatars found <laughs> happiness. <laughs> they became one giant, you know, scam family. It's, Aww. you know. Uh, you know, this reminds me of I, I don't know if you guys have ever read this, but this reminds me of um uh, a scam baiter or, you know, 419 eaters, you know, they call themselves scam baiters or 419 eaters, um, uh, that uh, they put together this, the, probably the most elaborate and amazing um, scam bait I've ever seen in my entire life. Uh, have you ever read The Road to the Skeleton Coast? No. No. Oh, my gosh. Everyone out there right now, stop what you're doing, drop whatever you're doing, um, you know, and go to... Uh, Google, type in The Road to the Skeleton Coast. It's a long read, but it is it is the most amazing scam bait ever. I, I'm going to kind of try to summarize it here real quick. Um, basically, uh, this guy gets a scam email, and he convinces the scammer that he is a, 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 a government worker for NASA, uh, and he is on the coast... He's over the... Like, on the coast of Angola, um, and he... Uh, he he works in this little tiny facility, and like a few days ago, a couple of government workers dropped off this this um, big giant uh, uh, shipment of of money, and they're keeping it in this back room. And he's only the janitor at the place, and so he says, "Oh well, you know, like I'm I'm kind of looking at this money, and I'm thinking like, hey, couldn't you know, uh, if somebody comes and gets this while I'm still working, you know, I'd have a, a perfect alibi, and nobody would know where the money come you know went." And and so basically he he baits this guy into like getting a boat and like a team of 
of of people to come help him, and it's just it's extremely funny. He sets he even sets up a fake GPS site so the guy can like follow where the money is floating and all that sort of stuff. It's absolutely incredible. So go check out the Road to the Skeleton Coast. It is it's it's one of the best baits I think I've ever seen, ever in my life. And if you like scam baits in general, uh, just just check out uh, the Scam Baiter website. I really like that website. Um, I'm always you know can you give us some can you give us some numbers as to like I mean, in general, how many you know how many people you see versus like how many emails are sent out, or you know. How, uh, you so you know, as reported by, there's a phishing activity trends report that mm-hmm. there's approximately twenty five thousand unique phishing campaigns recorded each month. Wow. I mean, that's on average. So that's 000, unique. That's so twenty five thousand campaigns, not twenty five thousand emails. Not twenty five thousand emails, but individual campaigns that are targeting diff- either different brands or different, uh, uh, different, different ways, people to and di- just different ways to try to get people to give them their information. But but more important is that spear phishing. This is really focused on personal phishing attacks. Mm-hmm. This isn't mass email. This is somebody contacting you directly and, oh, hey, I'm in that bike club that you were in. And uh, or they try to really personalize the Ooh. phishing so attempt, but then through various correspondence or they find out what groups you're in and then they start to tr- track you and yeah. try to get information that way too. So spe- be careful what you post on your social media. Sites. So basically yeah. when someone says spear phishing, it's somebody that's gone through and maybe like done some it's investigation on you, like maybe on your Facebook account yeah, and tries to impersonate, per- impersonate somebody that you might know. Yeah. And they, these emails tend to evade spam filters and mm-hmm. are not, they're not broad based because they're personalized. Yep. Yeah. Can you, I mean, I, I've, I guess I've heard a few examples. Do you have any, like, sort of tried and true spear phishing kind of things that, that, that a person could look out for if they think they might be the I victim of spear phishing? I or? don't have any examples that I've been able to really look at from the university's perspective. Okay. Jeff, have you, have you seen any spear phishing examples that you could share or, like, people, anything you could specifically state people to watch out for in general? Well, I could, you know, what I've seen is they really have a lot of time on their hands. I'm talking about the attackers doing mm-hmm. the phishing campaigns. And it's incredible to me how much time they spend researching before they actually do this. And they're getting better. Mm. So what I've seen with spear phishing is more not targeted an individual so much, but a department or a unit. Oh. So they could do research on do it, for instance, and know our command structure. And they may compose an email targeting do it people or the medical school, or something like that. So we have seen that. Interesting. Wow. I think the one example that I saw in the past was uh, someone got a hold, someone got into this person's email account somehow and and um, uh, figured out, like, who was whose cousin and that kind of thing, um, got all their email addresses together, and then sent them a email uh, from this person who's supposed to be their cousin saying, like, oh, you know, hey, I'm um, trapped. I, I was... I was uh, I took a trip over to London, uh, and and somebody mugged me, and I lost my passport, and now I'm trapped, and I need money to get home, or something like that. So I thought I, I I you know I thought that was interesting because that person apparently almost fell for it too, and then the person called them up like three hours later and asked them for like a cookie recipe or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> so oh, weird, but no, I have heard of something like that too, like a couple that went on vacation and someone impersonated them and said like they somehow got stuck somewhere and they needed help and the neighbors they contacted their neighbors and the neighbors were confused and hmm. they figured out what was going on and they're like how did this happen yeah how did it, how did it seem so convincing but just people are mining for information and the more you put out there on social media networks and as you pointed out the easier it is to impersonate someone you know right and other things like checking in at places you know, they, they'll know where you've been and what mm-hmm. you're doing yeah, and what your activities are. The whole I, checking I like in kind of freaks me out. It freaks me out, too. Because then, mm-hmm. you know, if somebody's following you, I mean, and this is just, you know, I mean, maybe you friend a whole lot of people on Facebook and then you start checking in place. Well, now they know that you're out of your house. You know, like if somebody wanted to rob your house, if they just checked Facebook, oh, he's checked into somewhere in Iowa or so. Oh, he's gone. You know, go rob the house. I don't know. It just seems weird to me. Yeah. If you use any of those tracking apps so that people can know physically where you are. Yeah, like Google Google Maps recently through an update default set 
location on mm -hmm. and I was wondering why my GPS I couldn't turn it off on my phone and then I realized I had to go into Google Maps and change my setting to turn location off there because it was automatically activating my GPS and hmm. Oh, there's Andy on Google Maps. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, <laughs> the iPhone, too, has the whole Find My Friends feature. Mm -hmm. uh, has anybody used that at all? I, no. That just kind of seems weird and Orwellian to I've me. I've got you that know. turned off. <laughs> I must no know way. where Teresa is right now. Uh-uh, I don't, I don't buy into stuff like that. So, so all these things are, you know, obviously things that people can be watching on the Internet and mm -hmm. see your activities and then, you know, craft a phishing scam directly for you which is not going to be caught by email filters or anything else so if you mm -hmm. really don't know who somebody is that's emailing you or it seems like it's somebody you, you may want to especially if they're asking for personal information i would just say never give any personal information over any yeah email. <laughs> yeah if you find yourself emailing your password that should be a key right there. Oh, Why man. am I emailing don't my do password? That. Mm -hmm. Credit card right numbers, alert. don't put that in. Don't email. E don't put it in an email at no all. No password, no credit card numbers, nothing. And, and most companies will never ask for your password. They mm -hmm. can reset your password for you, but they won't see that information that's encrypted on their end, too. So they're never yeah. going to ask for your password because they can access your account without it anyway. So. Yeah, it's like, you know, that, that part of the whole thing never really made any sense to me. It's like, you know, why am I sending you your password if you are the institution that, like, I put the password, I, I have the password with? Mm -hmm. You know, you should be able to just delete the password and get mm -hmm. into my account if you're... You know, Google would never ask me for my Google password. Something to keep an eye out for, too, is I've seen some websites. I can't think of which one's off the top of my head that I've run into where I've had an account and I tell the the website I forgot my password. It emails me my password. Oh, my that God. I, in plain text. Yeah, in plain I text. I hate that. Just because a company emails you your password does not mean that's secure. Um, they may think it's okay for their policies, but no one should ever be emailing you a password. It should be a link to their website that allows you to change your password. Mm -hmm. That's all you should be using, and do it right away. Don't wait. So if some company <laughs> right. emails you your password, go in and change it again. And for God's sake, if that if that like you know if that email still exists in your inbox or your or your trash or your just delete it permanently. Jeez. Yes, delete oh, it. At the very least, if you need to keep track of your passwords because you can't remember them, I'd actually suggest writing it down somewhere on a physical piece of paper. Do not store it on the computer. So, okay, here's a, though this this is a good uh, segue into asking our security experts. So, couple couple questions since we have the security experts here in mm -hmm. the studio. Um, so we talked about phishing. What are some good ways to prevent yourself from being the victim of a phishing attack? A question A. And then my second part of the second question, breaking it down into two, is um, what are some good ways to uh, for managing passwords, for keeping unique passwords on each site so that you don't use cat catlove85 exclamation mark for every single right, and, and that's another password. Oh, big, oh, geez. I gave my password over the air again. Sweet. Dang it. Ty, you got to stop doing that. Logging into your Facebook right now. No. <laughs> so some of the things for uh, phishing has become very good mm -hmm. uh, it used to be oh things in all caps there's a lot of spelling <laughs> mistakes grammatical errors that's great those are still out there but they've become so sophisticated that we've seen phishing attempts that are so beautiful that even the most you know intelligent of individuals <laughs> could potentially fall for it so you're really looking for anything that's requesting personally identifiable information in the email mm. or clicking on links in an email from an individual you're not aware of who they are, an organization you're not sure, you should type that link in directly because mm. sometimes the links right. will the go to a place that it's not really going. The, the link, the text for the link doesn't yeah. have to be where the actual hypertext yes. goes. That's mm -hmm. correct. Um, so you can actually look at the source on the email too and see where, where it's going. Mm -hmm. um, but... A fail-safe is typing that into your browser directly and not clicking on the link in your mm -hmm. email. Mm. Yeah. And you want to just pay attention what you're what you're clicking on from your email. And were you expecting that email? Is this just an ad? Uh, are you enticed by, say, it, you know, it's something that interests you, like a biking club, or that kind of goes along with this 
No. Or is it your department head? Why are they emailing you? Is it sure. is it coming from a trusted source? And often you look for, you know, whether the email's been signed. We have we have digital IDs at the university that mm-hmm. are freely available for signing emails. If you see emails from mass entities like the registrars it should be a signed email Mm. Um, in addition if they're you know you want to check the links you go to to make sure that they make sense that that's where you wanted to go and that those links are using secure protocol the HTTPS okay any other suggestions Jeff (laughs) I was going to say we just had it's good timing because we just had an attack last week oh where they emailed a lot of our faculty and our students a link and the link wasn't the link. The place that you went to wasn't signed. So if you went there, it looked like our login page, but Ooh. it actually was the, the certificate wasn't our certificate, and it wasn't even HTTPS. It was this HTTP. Oh, okay. So that's another thing to look at. If it, if 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 it doesn't say HTTPS in the in the URL, um, don't put any <laughs> information in there. Probably S stands for secure kids. So if you do not see S. Get the S out of there. Yep. And in general, <laughs> don't don't divulge your personal information to anybody unless there is a real need um, to get some kind of business transaction accomplished, like taxes. Or I mean, there's oh, instances yeah. where you need to tell somebody your personal information, but they're rare. Yeah. So just don't. If you're not expecting the email. It, you know, don't don't respond to it. Or, if, you know, if you think it's from your bank, why not email your bank directly? Do a secure mm-hmm. message through the website. I know my bank does that. Or just where call them. Call your yeah. bank. Look, <laughs> or call yeah. and just say, hey, I got this email and this is what it says. What yeah. do you think? And if and they say, yes, it's ours, great. But, you know, if it's not or if, if there's something about the link they sent you and it says there's, there's a certificate that's out of date or it's not valid, tell them that. Sometimes mm-hmm. companies don't even have their, you know, even, well, I wouldn't say your bank. Your bank's least likely to not have things up to date. But sometimes companies just their their certificates aren't up to date. And, hey, well, you, you know. never know. I'm, I had one yeah. instance where my bank was uh, didn't have a certificate signed up to date, and I was like, "What is what is this?" Yep. So I called them up, and they're like, "Oh shoot!" And they fixed it. But hey, I want to move on to um, uh, so now that we've done the phishing and all that sort of stuff, um, uh, there's a new security policy out there for uh, for co- or, uh, maybe not new, but kind of a new workflow for copyright infringement. Is that right? That's correct. Okay. G- Jeff, can you tell us a little bit about um, what the university is doing for, for copyright infringement for people that, for when people are downloading illegal things uh, on our network? Sure. So, so what has happened is that in the past, when we received notifications from the content holders, mm-hmm. we would follow up on that and um, send them a warning letter. So we would find out who it was that was allegedly sharing music or uh, movies, and we'd send them a, a notification letter, just pass the notification letter on to them. Sure. And that was the extent of our activities for many years. And in response to the Higher Educational Act, um, there's changes in, in, in this act. And we tried to um, end consistency with what housing is doing and what we're doing for the full university. Mm-hmm. We decided to implement a three-notice kind of a system. So the first time we receive a complaint, that'll be kind of your first notice, and we'll send you a warning letter saying that we received this, and here's what we received. Mm-hmm. The second time we receive a report, it'll be, you know, the second notice. And at that point, what we're going to do is we're going to remove your network access, both from housing, if appropriate, and WISC wireless. So both those will be removed. And to restore that access, you'll need to come into the help desk, typically, and have your peer-to-peer software removed, um, checked for malware, things like that. You also have to pass a quiz. So we're going to have a quiz on copyright, mm-hmm. um, and you'll have to pass that quiz. Once both those things are done, we'll restore your access. Okay. Now, if it happens again, the mm-hmm. third time. So third time, third time's the charm, right? <laughs> yeah. We set up a new jail cell downstairs oh, in the tech room. No. And, and oh, that no. jail cell has no <laughs> air conditioning. And it's so. got a treadmill, and you've got to run the servers with mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just kidding. Yes, yeah, so a jail cell is called the Dean of Students' Office. Oh, that's the <laughs> worst type of jail cell. Mm-hmm. So on third notice, your network access is again removed, and then we open an official report to the Dean of Students' Office, which is handled like any other Dean of Students' um, office investigation. They will call the student in and do an interview, and they'll proceed on what to do next. So tantamount to getting caught cheating on a test or something, basically. Effectively. Any disciplinary action that they would take normally, this is the same thing. Mm-hmm. Same process. Mm. 
So, and and may, can you give us? Do you, do you know any numbers of like how many first strikes or sorry, sorry first offense, second offense? Sure. Kind of. So we started this in late October, and since late October of last year, we've processed 340 first notifications. Wow. Wow. Of those 340, 53 turned out to be second notices. Uh oh. And of those 53. Oh, drum roll. Two people. Two. Mm. Two students. Oh, my God. I would hate to be those two naughty, people. Naughty, naughty. Yep. Yeah. Mm. Now, what, what, you know, okay, what What if they were to say, um, well, I, I, I didn't get my first notice. Can, is, is, that, is that something that they can even possibly say? You know, that's something that they could take up with a dean. Okay. And that's kind of where we leave it, with the dean to okay. take their side of the story. If the dean needs technical information from us, they would, like in a normal investigation, they would contact us, and we sure. would do some digging into the logs, maybe, the email logs, things like that. Sure, mm-hmm. sure, sure. Okay, that's interesting. So every, uh, and, I, and I handle, uh, I, I do some of the, the quality assurance on the floor, handling cases from day to day, and I, I swear most of the, the copyright first offense, offense uh, copyright stuff that I've seen uh, right now uh, has been people downloading um, like this Kanye West album. <laughs> it's it's what is it? It's like defend the throne or watch oh, watch the throne. It's Jay Z and Kanye West. Is that's the big the big hitter right now? I think huh. I've seen I think I've seen thirty of those. Wow! It's been insane. It's just I don't know. People people like their Kanye. I guess it must be good or something. It must be great. Is that the one with Gold Digger on it? That's the only Kanye. No. Oh <laughs> no 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 no. <laughs> that that one's that's, that's the only one I know. That's couple years back now oh by the way just just a, you're old <laughs> <laughs> just just a kind of quick interrupt here we we got a message uh from from my grandma that was uh oh. you know listening the, the, <laughs> the person on facebook and gchat and and all that sort of stuff yes uh she says we sound very professional oh thanks grandma <laughs> thanks grandma <laughs> thank you grandma <laughs> so we'll see if she texts me back now okay. so so um do you, so jeff do you think this this policy is 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 working to you know, prevent the total number of people that are downloading in general? I mean, do you think, it, it, do you see that as in the trend so far, or is it too early to tell? It may be a little too early to tell, because I'm always kind of curious, when we get these notifications, it's not us looking, it's us responding to somebody else, the so, content holders. So, like, the RIAA or the MPAA has emailed you saying, hey, we noticed that someone has been downloading. So, apparently, mm. Kanye's got his people all over this. Oh, mm-hmm. don't, mess, don't mess with Kanye, that's all I'm saying. Mm-hmm. So, are they looking more? Or, or not. And so you never know, are they focusing on Madison maybe and looking more here and that's why we're getting more reports? Mm-hmm. For instance, I, it's hard to tell sometimes to me. I wouldn't be surprised if, they're, if they found patterns and they're trying to target it. I think um, they focus on age groups. Prob- yeah. Could be. Now, you know, ba- universities are back in the that. day, the whole, uh, there was a lot of, of hubbub about people, you know, getting sued by the RIA, the MPAA after mm-hmm. so many, you know, offenses or even after just one offense. Mm-hmm. Is there any rhyme or reason nowadays to, you know, the number of offenses that you get before you are possibly sued or you are, you know, or, or, or something like that? Or does that just not happen anymore? For In, you know, my memory of that when it affected us at UW here is that it wasn't always the high-sharing people. You Mm -mm. might have just shared a few songs and got unlucky. It was really based on the content of Mm -hmm. what it actually was that they were downloading because Mm -hmm. it's it's based from the content owners that are, are, are... Sending the basically sending these letters to to us and saying, "Hey, stop this person from downloading." So it's really being—they're not looking at some network traffic or or something else to precipitate this. It's coming from the actual content owners that are saying, "Hey, people are illegally downloading our stuff," and then they track it from there. Exactly, and most of our notices—I would say ninety-eight percent of them—are cease and desist right now. And that's when, when we get a cease and desist, that's when we do this procedure. Mm-hmm. There's also a small percentage that include settlement letters. So when we forward these on, it's a little different process, but it's actually a letter saying cease and desist, and oh, by the way, to settle this, go to this website. And pay this much and money. And pay this much money. Oh, boy. Wow. Th- wow. That's... Oh, um, and I, I'm assuming that's generally a fairly large sum of money. Yeah, <laughs> I assume it's nothing trivial. Yeah. I've heard it's a thousand, thousand dollars. Oh boy, that's that's books for a semester. Yeah. Yeah. How many MacBook of those have you Pro? passed along? Uh, I mean, is, I imagine it's a relatively small amount. 
Yeah, it's it's interesting. It's probably one a week, one every two Ooh. weeks. Wow. Ooh. Yeah. Do you get contacted back about those? Do you do you do anything to try to help the students sort of figure it out, or is it just pretty straightforward? Like you contact them, and we're not part of it. We try to. What we do is we um, we contact the student's office mm-hmm. and say that we have this, and we let the um, student in these cases let them know that we received it. Mm-hmm. Hmm. But there's a kind of a tightrope here. We just don't want to forward it to them. So okay. we give the letter to the dean of student's office, mm-hmm. and if the student calls the dean of students, they can get a copy of the letter. Okay. So in a way, we're kind of away from it, but we have to let them know that we received this. Hmm. And so it's kind of interesting. We make them go to the dean of students to talk about it if they, if they want to. Well, I suppose if it's a settlement letter, I mean, at that point, you'd probably have to talk to, like, a lawyer or something, wouldn't you? Potentially. Yeah. And this is once every week or two weeks? They come in batches. Wow. <laughs> but I just, I When I they're guess feeling extra litigious in, in the morning, ah, oh, we'll send out five. I, I'm glad to say I don't know anybody that that's happened to. Yeah. None of my classmates or anything i don't remember anybody ever saying that i mean if that if something like that had happened to me while i was in school i mean you, you look at your financial oh situation my gosh. who could afford that yeah. a student no. that's that's part so, of a semester's payment well I, mean, I wonder how many are actually followed up on you know what i mean mm-hmm. uh it's it's one of those things where they may send out the the letter and i, I wonder if they're aggressively following up on on these settlement or if they're I mean, just I don't fishing. Even know. Or if they're just <laughs> fishing. Send me your bank account number <laughs> along with your social security number. Mm-hmm. Hey, that's the RIA, you see? you got to send me your Uh-oh. bank account. We see? just created a new scam. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's, t- <laughs> <laughs> that's horrible. That's ter- well, we have come full circle here on Do It Live, and so uh, I think it's probably time to bid adieu. Thank you guys so much for being here today. Oh, for talking thanks about, for inviting uh, us. We love it. Yeah, for, for talking about fishing and the opera. And, uh, and, and, of course, the, uh, the new copyright rules. Well, it looks like our hour is just about up, so we've come to the end of another episode of Do It Live. Thanks very much for listening out there. We've got some people that we'd like to thank as well. Special thanks go out to our management team at the Division of Information Technology, Ryan Hansen, Edward Hoover, Brian Rust, Sean Bossinger, and Bill Zimmerman. Do It's Chief Operating Officer is John Krogman, and our CIO and Vice Provost for Information Technology is Bruce Moss. Today's broadcast was produced by Ty Christian, that's me, and Sandy Cyberlick. Our associate producers are Laura Grady, Teresa Saldana, and Andy Muchlewski. Our on-air producer and director of e-communications is Matt Rockwell, and our theme music is from Conan. The executive producers of Do It Live are Ty Christian and Adam Wiesenfarth. Join us next time for another action-packed hour of Tech Talk. And in the meantime, subscribe to our podcasts on iTunes. Check out our website, doit.wisp.edu forward slash radio. And if you want to get a hold of us, email us, radio at doit.wisp.edu. We'll see you then. Yeah. Yeah.